Hi, this is ESPN's Dave Lamont, and you're listening to the Sports Objective Podcast, the unofficial podcast of the Pirates. You're watching the Inside Slant on the Sports Objective Podcast. Over the next hour plus, the guys will be joined by play-by-play voices, beat writers, and other analysts from around the nation as they preview this weekend's college football action. Let us hear from you throughout the show via Facebook Live, on our YouTube channel, or on Twitter at TheSportsOBJ. Now, here are the guys. Welcome into the Inside Slant here on the Sports Objective. I'm Dave Richmond. How are you, Bubba Rosenbaum? Welcome. I'm doing well. How are you? Good. It's a Friday night, which means we're getting ready for some college football, right? Yeah, another big weekend. Um, A lot of big games, and one of those taking place tomorrow in the SEC, and obviously just a national uh, game um, taking place down in College Station. And right now to talk about um, Florida taking on Texas A&M. Welcome in from the Matthews. Uh, excuse me, pot up with Matthews in the morning, Shane Matthews. Shane, we appreciate you joining us. No problem, guys. Glad to be here. Glad to have you on, Shane. A huge game tomorrow, I believe it's high noon, where the Gators taking on Texas A&M. How do you think about – what do you think about the game and uh, what are your thoughts? Well, you know, it's it's a tough place to go play. Um, You know, it's it's a dicey game, in my opinion, for us. I think Florida's going to find a way to win it, but I think it's going to be much closer than people expect. I think A&M uh, kind of has their backs against the wall right now. Uh, you know, they get blown out against Alabama. A lot of people had high expectations for this A&M team this year. And they, they need to beat a team like a Florida, an Alabama, or an LSU. Uh, and Jimbo hasn't been able to do that. So uh, I'm a little concerned about this game. But I, I think Florida will find a way to pull it out uh, in a close victory. Welcome in co-host Kyle Barber, um, coming to us from the high country, Boone, North Carolina. Kyle, how are you? What's going on, guys? Uh, yeah, I'm out of my normal element down east up here in the hills. But uh, it's a beautiful day up here in Appalachian State Territory. As you join us, and as you see there on the screen, Kyle, we're talking with Shane Matthews of Pot up with Matthews in the morning about the Florida Texas A&M game tomorrow. Um, should be a tremendous game. I'm really interested to see on um, this Florida passing attack uh, going against the Texas A&M defense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Florida really seems to have their offense humming this year, Shane. I mean, I, I don't. I, I'm stepped in here kind of midway of the conversation. I don't want to, you know, chew our gum twice here. But uh, you, you got to like your chances tomorrow against the uh, Aggies. I do, but I think it's going to be a dogfight. I really do. I think uh, A&M is by far the best team Florida's faced so far. Uh, good win against Ole Miss two weeks ago, but us four guys here are on Ole Miss right now at our age. They can't stop anybody. They have one of the worst defenses I've ever seen in Division football. Uh, and then last week, Florida played pretty well in South Carolina. Offense is playing well. There's some question marks on the defensive side of the ball. I've been concerned. Uh, ever since they started training camp about our defensive line, we can't really pressure or get any type of push from our D-line unless we blitz. So uh, we will definitely be tested tomorrow in, ca- in college station. Now, do you think – I don't want to – you know, you may not want to say until you play them, but uh, uh, watching Ole Miss for two games, their offense performed relatively well against Florida and then obviously performed great against Kentucky. Do you think A&M's offense is better than Ole Miss? I mean, their personnel is probably better. They, they, their personnel, you're right. 
I think their style of play with the tempo that they throw at you can cause problems. You know, it keeps you in certain defenses, um, and, and that's what they do so well at Ole Miss. And Matt Corral's playing at a very high level. I, th- I mean, when you look at, you know, Trask has played great, but I want to say Trask is third in the SEC in passing right now. He leads in touchdowns, but when it comes to completion percentage, yards per attempt, quarterback rating, it's it's Matt Corral and uh, Mac Jones from Alabama. But uh, I, I do like what Florida's doing on offense, very explosive, and, and we got one of the best players in the country in Kyle Pitts. Absolutely. Yeah, so Shane. We got, we got Sun now, Bubba. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Kyle. We got Sun Hall for joining us now. Or? We do. Um, welcome in to the yeah. show. Uh, I didn't know if you were going to be able to join us tonight, Kyle, but glad you were. Uh, welcome in our other co-host, Jay Sunhalter. Jay, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Shane. Great to talk with you. Same here. Uh, but. My question, Shane, was going to be this, and uh, that is uh, you talk about the, the Gators offense and Kyle Trask and doing such a tremendous job, 10 touchdown passes in uh, two games thus far, um, completing well over 70% of his passes. So as a former quarterback and um, also as a coach, um, just talk about uh, everything that you see from Kyle Trask and this Gators passing attack. Well, his story is amazing, honestly, when you think about it. Uh, you know, if you're not a Gator fan, you may not know his story. He was a backup in high school behind De'Eric King, actually, who now is the Miami quarterback. He only got two offers coming out of high school. Uh, he, he came to a, a camp here at the University of Florida when Jim McElwain was the coach. Doug Nussmeyer was the coordinator, and they offered him a scholarship. The only other scholarship he had was to Dallas Baptist University, and they're not even Division One. So uh, he's got his opportunity. And uh, took full advantage of it last year when Felipe Franks went down. Uh, but he's smart. He's accurate. Uh, he understands what Dan Mullen's trying to do. And, you know, he trusts his receivers. You know, there, there's always when you sit here and you watch it, and I, I watch quarterbacks a little bit different. You know, he's thrown 10 touchdowns, but about four of them, maybe three or four of them, it's like uh, you probably shouldn't have thrown those, you know, in a double or triple coverage. But our guys have come down with those balls. So he has that ability of being some – he's pretty – he's very accurate, actually. But he trusts his teammates, and he's a great leader. And, uh, like I said, it's, it, it's a phenomenal story because he wasn't a highly touted player. You say he had all from Dallas Baptist. I didn't even know they had a football program. I'm very familiar with their baseball program. They're a, a power in baseball, but I honestly didn't know they played football. Well – was it DBU or, or or was it Houston Baptist? Maybe. Oh, it was either it was either Houston Baptist or Dallas Baptist. I bet you it was Houston Baptist. <laughs> right. I don't know if Dallas Baptist plays football either. So it was one. Regardless, he only had one right. one Division one offer. They, and speaking of Houston Baptist, not to get off on a tangent, but they've absolutely. Um, they're giving up a ton of points, but they're throwing it all over the yard, uh, lighting up Texas Tech, Louisiana Tech, etc. Yeah, they got. To- Pretty good quarterback there that some people think he'll be happy. Shane, I was going to ask you about Dan Mullen. I uh, like him a lot as a coach moving from obviously Mississippi State to Florida. He has uh, the Gators back, and I know you guys are used to double digit wins. Contention in the East, obviously, to win that and the SEC, and obviously to have a chance at a SEC title. How close do you think you guys are to, to win the SEC again? I think we're very close. I think we have an opportunity this year. 
Uh, you know, this is only year three for Dan. He, he, he understands the Florida football program being here as an offensive coordinator uh, when Urban was here. Um, we're very close. Uh, we got to find a way to beat Georgia this year. Well, obviously, you got to find a way to beat Texas A&M first. You know, it's the old coaches, uh, coach speak, win game at a time. But I think, you know, most people think the Florida-Georgia game is going to come down to who goes to Atlanta to probably play Alabama. But he's got us back in contention and being relevant. I mean, we're in the top five in the country right now, and uh, I think we will stay there as long as Dan is our head coach. You know, grow, growing up, being, being, you know, born in 1980, kind of consider myself a 90s kid, uh, at least a 90s teenager. I remember the SEC East being the dominant force in the SEC for so long. And the power of, of you, you know, the, the shift of power to the West, where the West has dominated the SEC and the East has been, quote, unquote, down for so long. That seems to be shifting a little with, with Georgia, obviously, being what they've been here recently. And now Florida is on their way back up, and Tennessee is on their way back up, and South Carolina's got a competitive football team. And Kentucky, yeah. Yeah, Kentucky's not bad. Well, Kentucky, they're a very good football team. They actually should be 2-0 and in my opinion, but they find ways to lose games. It's crazy how they lose games. But you're right. I think the East is coming back. Uh, you know, when I played, um, I, only, I played the first year they went to the East and the West, and – you know, Alabama won the national title that year, but, but, you know, in the nineties, it was pretty much the East, you know, with Spurrier kind of dominating the league, but it's shifted. But I think, you know, Florida and Georgia are right up there with Alabama right now. LSU obviously was tremendous last year, uh, lost so many great players and they will be back. Um, but it, it's a good conference. It's the best conference in all, all of, all of the country. And uh, it's fun to watch it week in and week out. Shane, I have a question about Kyle Pitts. He's the best tight end in the country. How good How good do you think he's going to be You know, at the next level? And then what do you think that combination with Trask and him can really do to, to really solve all these good defenses in the SEC? Well, their, their combination right now, I mean, I guess what, of this 10 touchdowns, six of them have gone to Kyle Pitts. He's a huge mismatch, and he's got, you know, he's, six, he's about 6'5"-ish. About 235, 240, can run. But the great thing about Kyle Pitts is he's got great body control and great ball skills and great hands. Um, he's made some phenomenal catches so far this year. Um, he is the best tight end slash re probably receiver in the country, honestly. And he will be a first-round draft pick. It's, I'm anxious to see how his game is going to transition to the next level. Uh, we don't use him to block very often. He didn't. He didn't really put his hand on the ground much. Um, so that's something that he'll probably have to work on at the next level. But in the meantime, you know, Dan Mullen loves to split him out to the single receiver side and get huge mismatches. Jay, how would you compare Pitts to you when you were playing? Do you, do you, were, is he just a hair better than Sonny in his prime, or, or? he's very reminiscent? I was probably <laughs> faster. You think you're faster? Could jump higher, but uh, but yeah, Shane actually Noah Brindice was my offensive coordinator. Oh yeah, for for a year, and then uh, Jerry Odom. I don't know if you knew him from playing yeah. at Florida. He was he was our linebacker coach. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Jerry Odom. I talked to him the other day. He was on my podcast. Uh, you know, he's head coach at Tusculum. At Tusculum, yeah. And I had him on because, you know. I don't think anybody in the country can play defense anymore. I think Georgia's defense is the best in the country, but the days 
the 20 to 17 games uh, in college football are over with. It's just so hard to, to keep people under 20 or 25 points because of the way the offenses are. And so I had Jerry on talking about, you know, how difficult it is when teams go tempo, when teams do RPOs, how it just puts the defense in a conflict of interest. And uh, that's why you're seeing all these high-scoring games. Shane, if you want to see a 20-17 to 17 ball game, tune into the East Carolina USF game Saturday night on ESPN+. <laughs> Plus. because of terrible offense. <laughs> ECU puts up points. Well, you know, we put up 29 points last week and didn't score an offensive touchdown. Really? Really. Yes, we've scored off special teams and defense. That's correct. Yes, it is. If you'd have told me we'd have put up 29 points non-offensively, I'd have said we won the football game. Didn't happen. I don't know if I ever heard of that. That's a lot of points. It for, is. For your offense not to score. And it's, that's exactly <laughs> what happened. Block punt, yeah. take field goal, three field goals. What was it? What was it, guys? Block punt and a pick six. Pick six at the beginning. Pick six and two field goals. That's interesting. Yeah, I'm saying what, one of our uh, viewers, Ron James, is chiming chiming in from uh, Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Um, he was talking about you you being a native Mississippian as well, uh, saying that saying that you and Terrell Buckley both played for Pascagoula. We sure did. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, we had, you know, a lot of people think our, our state championship team was the, the best ever in the state of Mississippi, and I'd have to agree with them. But uh, Mississippi played some good football on Friday nights, man. And he also had a question for you. Um, he wanted me to ask, uh, what do you think of Todd, Muck, Todd Munkin, excuse me, on Georgia's staff and how he's impacting the Bulldogs' offense? Well, I like what they're doing more now than what they did under Jake Fromm. And let me tell you, Stetson uh, Bennett, Stedman Bennett. What's, is it Stedman or Stetson? I can't remember. But he's a really good player, man. I, You know, the former walk-on who's now on scholarship, uh, you know, this is where you can take all those stars and throw them out the window. Because I've seen five stars. Well, the, the Mathis kid who started for them against, uh, who was it, Arkansas, he can't, he can't play quarterback in this league, in my opinion. You, you throw in uh, Stetson Bennett, and, man, that guy has a feel for the game you can't teach. Uh, he's extremely accurate, knows where to go with the football. I, I just love his story. I think he's going to be Georgia's quarterback all year long, and I think they're fine with him. Speaking of offense, and you, you mentioned Arkansas, which made me uh, think of uh, – which made me think of uh, Mississippi State. Uh, how do you think Mike Leach is going to do in this league as the year goes on? Obviously, week one, they manned him up, and uh, the quarterback was able to hit some big plays against LSU. But then last week, Arkansas played a solid zone defense and kept everything in front of them and tackled. So uh, how do you think that's going to progress as the year goes on? Well, I think on? you're going to see a lot of people play what uh, Barry Odom threw at them, and, and that's what the University of Washington used to do. Uh, out there, he could never beat the Huskies. Uh, I love Leach's offense. I, I do think he needs to tweak a little bit of it, you know, to be able to run the football when you need to. Uh, but he, he's kind of hard-headed now. He's going to do his thing. It's fun to watch. Uh, I'm anxious to see how they bounce back. You know, I think Colin Hill only played early in that game last week. He's supposed to be back against Kentucky uh, for tomorrow, which, you know, he's, he's one of the best players in the league. Um, but it's great for the SEC to have Mike – 
I like his system. Uh, he may have to tweak it a little bit, but um, we'll see. We'll see how it goes this year. Shane, speaking of Mississippi as well, yeah, uh, Shane, I know. Uh, Magnolia State. What about uh, Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss? Being that you're a Mississippi native. Well, you know, I grew up a Mississippi uh, Ole Miss uh, fan. My dad played there, so uh, I, I was a Rebel. I still have a little soft heart for the Rebels. I, I think Lane's a, a perfect hire for them. Um, he's kind of brought that swagger to Ole Miss. You never know what he's going to say in his press conferences. And Ole Miss is a fun team to watch. Um, but again, either they're going to if if the weather is even if it's raining tomorrow in that Alabama game. I firmly believe Alabama could score over 60 points. You know, they gave up – Ole Miss gave up over, 400, <laughs> over 400, 400 yards passing to the Gators in week one. They give up over 400 yards rushing to the Kentucky Wildcats. Now you got the most complete team, both offense and defense, probably in the league, coming to your ballpark. And I just don't see how they can slow down Alabama at all. Now, I think they'll score, you know, they'll score a few touchdowns themselves, but I just think Alabama can do whatever they want to do offensively. And Shane, like, you what's that again? I said, uh, is Ole Miss's defensive person, uh, problems more personnel scheme or a combination of the two? Uh, at, at times against Florida, they uh, they didn't do some some things that were sound, but uh, I think it's more personnel right now. Um, but I don't they're they're going to give up over thirty five points every game they play. Is my is my prediction this year? Man, that sounds like East Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> Shane, when you look at all these coaching staffs in the SEC. And we all know, you know, the SEC probably or definitely does have the best coaches in the country. But then you look at the assistants too, and, and kind of the staff that all these schools have and big name coaches. What's the biggest difference between a Florida, uh, LSU, you know, an Alabama, Auburn, you know, whoever wins it this year? Is it that they maybe have more talent? Is it the coaching, or is it just the tradition? Or what's going to be the biggest difference between who wins the SEC this year? Oh, gosh, it's going to be uh, – obviously, I think, there, as you mentioned, there are a lot of coaches in the SEC. But, you know, the, there's a handful of teams that are going to win the SEC every year, in my opinion. When you look at the East, it's two teams. It's Florida and Georgia. You look at the West, it's really only two teams over there, in my opinion, LSU and Alabama. You know, you can throw Auburn in there if you want you know, every now and then. Maybe Tennessee can come back. We'll see what Tennessee is all about tomorrow. I'm gonna think I think they're gonna get just shredded by Georgia personally. Um but it's those are the guys that are gonna be winning playing for the SEC title every year, in my opinion. Every now and then you may get somebody sneak in there, but year in, year out it's gonna be those four teams. And while we're just talking about the SEC as a whole uh, I mentioned what I saw earlier and what they did in Mississippi State. And I absolutely love Arkansas staff. I'm a, I've been a big Kimber Browse fan for a while. So I'm excited to see what we can do in the SEC. Got some feedback coming from somewhere. Yeah. 
But you were talking about the Arkansas staff. I I, I think Sam Pittman was a great guy. <laughs> Did you ask about Kendall Browse? I did. Yeah, a good offensive mind. You know, they got the former Florida quarterback, Felipe Franks, who has a ton of talent. Um, I'm anxious to see. uh, That was a great win for Arkansas, but I'm anxious to see how they play at Auburn coming off their first win in, what, shoot, two or three years in the conference. I think they're going to keep that game close, and it would not surprise me if they beat Auburn. I'm just not impressed with Auburn. I think they're okay defensively. Offensively, they're horrible. Um, I don't know what they're trying to do offensively. Um, have you know, Bo Nix? I'm not sure he can be a, an every everyday starter in the SEC. Uh, you know, a quarterback's job is to drop back, make a decision, and let the ball go. He likes to drop back and run around, leave the pocket way too often, too fast. So. Tomorrow's Arkansas-Auburn game will be interesting. No, Shane, we appreciate your time. We appreciate you uh, coming on. And as the college football season progresses, we'd love to have you back on down the road. Absolutely, guys. Enjoyed it. Appreciate it. Uh, Y'all have a good night. And uh, very quickly, Shane, before we yep. let you go, um, go you ahead can. and plug your and plug your podcast. Yeah, it's uh, it's on Facebook Live. It's called Pot Up with Matthews in the Morning. Uh, it's Monday through Friday. You can also check it out on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. But yeah, it's uh, we have a lot of good guests on and uh, have a good time doing it. Shane, thank you so much for coming on. Appreciate it, man. And uh, good luck to the Gators tomorrow. Appreciate it, guys. Take care. All right, that's uh, Shane Matthews. Yeah, Obviously, a great podcast. And guys, uh, uh, Bubba, you turned me on to that. Trying to figure out where the feedback's coming from, if it's from my end or what, because it was when I was talking. I don't hear it now, though. All right, guys, I know we have uh, – are we ready to go to our next guest? Yeah, welcome back to the program. Uh, we've had this guy on several times already this season. Uh, senior writer at the Clemson Insider, Will Vandervoort. Will, how are you? How about it now? There we go. There we I had go. two mute buttons on. You got me? Hey, Will, how <laughs> are got, you, man? Got you. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Good to be here again. Absolutely, Clemson, uh, rolling right along. We wanted to have you back on to talk about this week's matchup. Yeah, it's going to be a good one, uh, 7.30 in the Valley, um, ABC, if uh, you're watching on TV. Uh, it's going to be uh, a downpour, it looks like, uh, with uh, Hurricane Delta coming through, obviously hitting the Louisiana area, and it's going to make its way into Clemson right around kickoff, it looks like. So it's going to be good. Um, <laughs> it's going to be nice and wet. Uh, it's probably going to play a big role in – this game, I think, uh, like it did the Notre Dame game a few years ago. It'll be interesting to see how each team handles it. They've both got to play in it. It's going to be interesting to see how they handle it. It's definitely something that during the course of the week as you're breaking down this game that you really didn't think about. And But now that it's here, it's um, I, I know the coaches got to really, really be thinking about how they're going to you know, call this game uh, tomorrow night. Well, obviously, everybody uh, is giving Miami a lot of attention. Are they back? Are they for real? Uh, this will kind of tell the tale 
Uh, I, I think they're probably pretty good. I just think that Clemson's personnel and the depth of personnel is just too much for anybody to handle in the ACC. Yeah, I mean, I think they're 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 a good football team. I I do. I think they're a little different. I think this is a better team, at least from a personnel standpoint, and um, you know. I think schematically than they were a couple of years ago when they went to the ACC championship game and uh, started off the season 10 and 0 before, you know, being upset by Pittsburgh. Um, so I think overall, this is a better team. I think that defense was better that year, but they were just so bad on offense that season. I mean, they just, it wasn't even a close to being a fight uh, when they played Clemson from an offensive standpoint. And um, that's going to be a little different this year, uh, Couple reasons. A, they're better. I like their schematics. Um, I like Derek King at quarterback. I think they're tied in tight ends with uh, Brevin Jordan and Will Mallory are a matchup nightmare for Clemson. Um, and then, I mean, you know, I, I like the running back Cam Harris if uh, if they can run the football. Um, but for Clemson, I think you know they're a young defense, <clears throat> a very talented defense. Excuse me, uh, but they're still young, and so they're going to make mistakes. And you know, under uh, under Lashley, you know, what what is, you know, that offense as Clemson looks at it and they, you know, what do their eyes do? Eye discipline is very important uh, in this game for Clemson because he's going to have his guys moving everywhere. There's all kinds of motions. There's things happening behind the quarterback, you know. So how do these young players view it and how do they make sure that they have their eyes in the right place? It's going to be very important for Clemson's defense. So, I think from a talent standpoint, yeah, I think Clemson is still way ahead of Miami overall talent. Um, but there's some things that Miami can do schematically that right now with where Clemson is at with their young defense that could cause some trouble. When you flip it to the other side, you know, I still think Clemson's got uh, an edge over there because of the experience at quarterback and running back. I think Clemson's offensive line is a, is a very good offensive line and, you know, a lot of people look at last week's game and think they struggled, but, you know, they didn't really struggle as much as the way Virginia schemed things up against them. And Miami's not going to do that. That's not who they are. Um, so Clemson's actually, I think you're going to see a more productive offensive line because they're not having to worry about, you know, is this corner going to come off on a zone blitz on us? You know, what's this safety doing over here? Miami doesn't do any of those things. They kind of just line up and come at you. Uh, so, that's going to be a little bit easier for the offensive line. But I think overall Clemson's offensive lines look good for the most part this year. Um, and, um, I, uh, you know, teams are just loading the box, daring them to beat them with the pass. And, of course, Trevor Lawrence can do that, and those wide receivers can do that. But I think that's the poison that defenses are picking right now. And and I look for Miami probably to do the same thing, you know, especially if it's going to be a wet field and the ball's got to be put in the air, you know, you like your chances better in those situations. So I could see Miami loading up the box and daring Clemson to throw it. So it'll be interesting to see. But I think Clemson is still ahead, but Miami's closed the gap a little bit, I think. And I think tomorrow night they'll prove their top 15 team. I think they're going to hang with Clemson for a little while. How heavy is the rain supposed to be in Death Valley tomorrow? Say that again? How heavy is the rain supposed to be at game time? Well, you know, there's different scenarios. We've heard one where it's going to be 80% chance of rain and maybe a half inch to an inch. Then I've heard other scenarios where it's going to be 100% chance of rain with thunderstorms um, with about three to five inches of rain. So, um, you know, it's uh, you don't know what's going to happen. I think the latest model shows more on the heavier side, more with the thunderstorms and the torrential downpours. 
Um, so um, I think, you know, that's kind of what we're going to see tomorrow night in the Valley. Yeah, I could just picture De'Ara King being a, a nightmare in the rain, running around, making plays, kind of just doing backyard football. Yeah, this is going to be a mutter uh, kind of game, you know. Um, I think when you look at this game, I, I like that. I think for Clemson, it's probably better that this game's in the rain. And, and the reason I say that is because, as I mentioned earlier, with what Rhett Lashley likes to do and move guys around, that's the offensive coordinator for Miami. He likes to move guys around and do all different things. It's going to be harder to do when it's a wet field. Um, and so, you know, you can have some issues, some guys not get lined up fast enough because they can't, you know, it could cause delayed game penalties. There's all kinds of things it can cause. Um, and so I, I could see the rain causing him to have to limit that a little bit. And that's going to help that young Clemson defense because, you know, they're not going to have to worry about seeing all these things that they've been talking about in practice. They're just going get to get to line up and play ball. Um, and if they can, Clemson can get it to that kind of game, then game on because Miami's offensive line will not be able to block Clemson's defensive line if it's just a straight up. They're going to have to do regular pass blocking and regular run blocking. Um, if that's the case, Clemson's going to be in the backfield all night, and it's going to be difficult for Mr. King. Well, how big of a worry is it that Clemson's just been so dominating? And I know the game last week was, you know, wasn't a blowout, but. This is going to be, you know, we think a closer ball game. Uh-huh. Is there any concern um, just with all these young players and a, a, the first big test for them? Any concern on the Clemson end? Yeah. No, I, and the reason I say that is because, yeah, there's some young guys that will be playing, but Clemson's got good leadership in the places you need it. Um, quarterback, uh, they got veteran players in leadership at quarterback, running back, um, Wide receiver with Amari Rodgers, uh, you you know on the on the defense you look at you know in the middle of that defensive line you got Niles Pickney and Jordan Williams, uh, both juniors, uh, redshirt juniors and seniors there. You got uh, James Kowski, a fifth year senior at middle linebacker. Uh, you know you got uh, even at linebacker with Balen Specter. It's his first year, but it's his fourth year in the program. Uh, so you know he's been on the stage and played. And then you got Nolan Turner on the back end. Um, and Darion Kendrick also at corner. So you got guys in place that have played for three or four years at every major position. Um, even on the offensive line, you got a Matt Bockhorst who's been in, you know, at left guard, who's been in the program four years. Um, you got, uh, you know, at, at left tackle, you, you got the Jackson Carmen who's been in the program three years. And so there's, there's somebody there at every position that helps them kind of like have that leadership uh, that they need. And so I think that will probably ease it a little bit for some of those young guys. Um, so I think, you know, when you look at that standpoint of it, I think more it's more Miami that has the concern from that standpoint because they've never played in this kind of kind of situation. You know, they haven't played on a stage like this where, you know, they're they're number number seven in the country. And, you know, everybody said, well, three years ago they played Clemson in the AC championship game. Yeah, but a lot of those guys on that team are gone, and they only did it one time, and it's not like they were doing it over and over again like Clemson has with their program, and Miami doesn't even have really the same coaching staff in place at that point. So just um, I think all that kind of those intangibles favor Clemson uh, more than they do Miami, you know, but how much of that is going to be the football game? We'll find out. That may be a little bit of the problems leading up to the game, but once I've had a coach tell me this 100 times. Once they kick the ball off and you get that first play in, that first hit, 
then after that, it's just football. And it's like, who just, just who's the best team or who's playing the best at that point? All that other stuff kind of goes out the window after that. And, Will, for me, uh, when you're talking about Miami, Miami is uh, definitely better. They're definitely improved, but better is not going to beat Clemson tomorrow night. Uh, yeah, they're going to have to play well. Um, if Clemson plays well and Miami plays well, Clemson will win the game because Clemson's dudes are just better than their dudes, and that's just a fact. Miami's just not there yet from a personnel standpoint where Clemson is. And that's like not, you know, that's that's talking about every position all the way down. You know, there's some areas Miami does have some better players, but when you look at the overall depth and experience of the rosters, Clemson is, you know, deeper than Miami at this point. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you on that. If Clemson, though, doesn't play a good game and Miami plays a good game, Miami could win that game. Uh, we saw that last week against Virginia where, you know, there was times where Clemson had some lapses and they just didn't look good. And Virginia was able to do some things. And there were some missed tackles and things of that nature that Virginia took took advantage of. And, you know, because Virginia is a pretty darn good football team and they're going to prove that through the course of the year that they're better than what people probably think they are. Um, and so uh, Miami, I think, is a little bit better football team than Virginia. And uh, I think, you know, if Clemson plays that way in this game, they're going to get hurt a little bit more because they do have a Derek King. They do have a Brevin Jordan. Uh, they do have some outstanding defensive ends on that defensive side of the ball. They do have a darn good safety uh, that, that Clemson is really concerned about. So uh, there's some good players on that team that if Clemson doesn't play well, um, it could affect the outcome of the ball game. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, is, is this an ABC game? I will. I don't even know. Is it ABC or ESPN? ABC seven thirty. This is the uh, this is the game of the week. I guess that's how they. That, so it's the primetime ABC game. College game day will be here tomorrow. Um, you know, um, as whatever it is, you know, with going on with COVID right now, it's not the same college game day as it normally would. Um, so that's going to be interesting what they do there and what that looks like. Uh, but it's uh, it's still going to have a little bit of an atmosphere to it. Uh, one thing I'll say, even with 19,000 people, Clemson fans were still pretty loud. Um, didn't have to use that sound thing that the the ACC allows them to use. Didn't have to use that hardly at all, to be honest with you. Uh, so um, in the way Clemson spaces it out throughout the stadium, they did a really good job of doing that. So it looks like there's more people in the stadium than 19,000. Um, um, so it'll be interesting. It's not, it's not the same because of what's going on with COVID and all, but it'll still be a good environment, good atmosphere, you know, as you can have for this type of what we're type of world we're living in right now. Um, so, um, should be fun. 19,000 people in, uh, in 2020 standards. That's, uh, that's, that's like a hundred thousand. I, uh, I don't even know what, you know, that, that's gonna, that'll just be a huge roar. I, so many people have gotten used to hearing no fans or a handful of fans. Yeah, nineteen thousand is a, is a good crowd. They've had uh, they've had some, you know, like last week, especially on third downs and stuff. You could you could hear, you know, it wasn't as loud as Death Valley is with eighty thousand, but it was still loud. You know, I'll make an argument. It's louder than some ACC stadiums that are full during a non pandemic year. Uh, the nineteen thousand were uh, when when there was key third downs last week in that Virginia game. Um, so, you know, Clemson fans, they get after it and they try, they, they like to get loud when they can. And, uh, that was definitely the case last week. It's definitely going to be the case this week. And the funny thing about it, you know, some people are like, Oh, you know, they won't go to the games and stuff like that. If it's raining, 
I remember that Notre Dame game five years ago when it was just a downpour, torrential downpour, and they were sitting on top. The this tropical system was sitting right on top of Clemson, and uh, it rained, guys. I, I'm not lying. It rained the entire game, like you know, the heaviest rain you can think of. I mean, it was the I've never seen anything like it, um, and it just was constant. And I think there was like over ten inches of rain um, in the Clemson area that night. Uh, there was flash flooding everywhere. And, um, you know, they played that game, and I just remember how it just rained so hard. But yet, not one single person left the stadium. There was 83,000 people there sitting in that kind of rain the entire game. It was amazing. So knowing Clemson fans, the 19,000 that have tickets, they'll probably stay the entire game, and and they'll they'll make it fun. Was that 2015? That was the 2015 Notre Dame game, yeah. Yeah, I believe we played Virginia Tech and upset them in – we being East Carolina, upset mm-hmm. Virginia Tech in Greenville the same day. Uh, I think you guys got around 10 inches of rain, and we got around four or five. And uh, that was the that was a, that was a, that was a fun day. It was. It was um, – you know, look, I'm a – I'm not one of these – I'm old school, man. I'm, I don't like this all pitch and catch where they spread you out. And, you know, I, I, I'm a – as you can see on my shirt here, I'm a, I'm a Pittsburgh Steeler and – uh, you know, the we're all about just knocking the head off the guy and, you know, playing that tough, dirty, gritty kind of football. And, um, you know, so I love that game. That was fun in the mud, you know, hard hitting, physical. It was football. That's what football's made to be. This stuff that these young kids see today with them teams like having these ping pong kind of games or these PlayStation kind of games, video scores of 64 to 48 and stuff like that. Man, I hate it. A couple of years ago, uh, Clemson played NC State in a game of sixty-two to forty-eight, I believe. And I went down into the press room and and me, and Coach Venables, me and him talk defense from time to time. And um, you know, he came in there and he looked at me and he says, "Will, I hate days like this. I just hate it. You know, we we can't have days like this." And I laughed at him. I said, "I'm with you, Coach. It's horrible." He's you know, he was just miserable because of the way his defense gave up 48 points and all those yards. So fast forward to 2017, and they play Auburn in Death Valley. And the final score of that game, guys, was 14-6. to six. And uh, Coach Venables walks in the room, sees me, taps me on the shoulder and says, how'd you like that game there, Will? Did you like that one? <laughs> I, said, I said, yeah, Coach, I love that one. That's my kind of football there. And he's like, ain't that right? You know, because that's what you like. You know, that's what football is supposed to be, in my opinion. It's supposed to be low scoring. Defense is doing it. You playing that chess match to see who can make the best moves. Um, so that this video game stuff that people like to play, I I'm not a big fan of it. So um, you know, I'm looking forward to set tomorrow night because I think it's going to be a it's going to be a lower scoring game than people think. You got two very good offenses. Don't get me wrong, but I think you got two pretty good defenses. And then when you throw in the rain on top of it, I think it's going to make it, make it even more difficult for teams to score. All right, Will, we appreciate you coming on, man, tonight. And um, how can people find your stuff? Yeah, they can find me um, at theclemsoninsider.com. That's our website. It's free to anybody, so come and check it out. Uh, we'll we'll be covering this game inside out, as we always do. Uh, you can go over there, start, you know, we're, we're there now. We got previews and things of that nature. Um, and then uh, you can also find me at Steeler Will on Twitter um, or at Clemson Insider on Twitter on Facebook page is uh, the Clemson Insider Facebook page. And, uh, of course, I, were, I have a podcast each week with uh, former Clemson 
um, linebacker, Hall of Famer, Ring of Honor, LeVon Kirkland, who also was a Pittsburgh Steeler and played 10 years for the Steelers and 11 years in the NFL. Uh, he he joins me on the podcast each week as we kind of break down each week's game and get everybody set so they can find that at uh, Clemson Football with LeVon Kirkland. You can get that on Spotify, uh, Google, uh, you know, Apple, all those places that you can get a podcast. So, uh, you know, go check it out. Give it, give me a download and a rating and, and, uh, and, and give us a listen. All right. Look forward to the big game tomorrow night. Clemson and Miami and the range should be a great one. Old school matchup. And we'll, we'll see how it works out. Good luck to the Tigers tomorrow night. All right, guys. Thank you very much for having me, man. We'll see you next time. Appreciate you. All right. Bye-bye. That is going to be a big game, guys. And who knows? You have to play the games. Uh, Miami may come out with the upset. You never know. No, absolutely. I mean, the Canes have a good football team. All right, Bubba. I know we have uh, our next guest, uh, another great guy that's been with us for the last couple of years. And uh, Temple finally getting their football start, right, Bubba? Yeah. First of all, the Houston Cougars got their first game in last night and were victorious over Tulane down in Houston. And uh, like you said, Temple playing their first game tomorrow down in Annapolis against the Navy Midshipmen. And welcome in from Al's Daily, Ryan Wallen. Ryan, how are you? I'm doing well, guys. How are you? Doing, doing great. Glad to have you back. We want to get your take on the game. But before we do, I know that uh, something Kyle's mentioned on the podcast a few times. Uh, you guys have had tough restrictions, I guess, with the state of Pennsylvania with with uh, COVID and obviously what we've all had to go through with this country. But how are things as far as that and the team? Have they been able to practice uh, with uh, a lot? I know uh, Navy made them, speaking of Navy, they made the mistake of not hitting and uh, that cost them in that BYU game for sure. Yeah, so the city of Philadelphia, you know, up until last month, they weren't letting groups of more than, you know, a couple dozen people out on the field at the same time. And Temple was really having a tough time actually getting to go out and practice in their full offensive defensive sets. Um, Coach Carey, actually, uh, Rod Carey, proposed to the city a plan that he hoped would get passed. Uh, The city eventually did approve it that the team could get out there and start practicing again. And um, that's part of the reason why this Navy game actually got pushed back from late September to this weekend because Temple had a bye originally this weekend um, in, in their non-conference slate. They were supposed to have Navy smashed in between a couple of those non-conference games. But uh, Rod Carey had pushed this back saying, you know, I, I need time to prepare my guys to get ready for this game. I need a month of practice prep time so these guys can actually go out, hit and get used to, you know, the back in the flow of things before, you know, taking on Navy. Cause I think he saw what happened at Navy. Um, he saw that, that, that was a bad look for the midshipmen and uh, you know, he didn't want his team to come out looking like that. Um, typically though, Rod Carey has been a guy that historically does not like to hit in preseason camp training camp because he wants to limit injuries heading into the season. But he even said, you know, this season it, it's been a little different. He's, he's allowed some hitting. Um, so I, uh, I'm sure the guys are out there ready to ready to play tomorrow. I saw some guys on Twitter hyping it up. They're ready to just hit people, so I, th- I think they're ready for tomorrow night. Yeah, and you guys just now starting your season. We talked about that. Houston was in a similar predicament, but for different reasons. They had a bunch of games canceled because of other teams getting COVID uh, week after week after week, but they finally got their season started last night. 
that had to make you feel good that maybe the uh, not playing and playing somebody that had played a few games didn't make any difference for the Cougs. They came out and rolled over Tulane. Um, I'm sure you're hoping for a similar result tomorrow against Navy. Yeah, of course. You know, so obviously the benefit has been that Temple is completely healthy coming into this game. Um, Rod Carey has said that, you know, there is no positive COVID results. Uh, the team traveled down there today. Um, obviously, Houston last night, they started off a little slow, had some turnovers in the first quarter. I believe it was three in the first quarter, and that really put dug them a hole. But, you know, that offense really was able to bounce back against Tulane. And um, obviously, Temple has an advantage, I would say, going into this Navy game based on what Navy has looked like thus far. Uh, obviously, the game against BYU was an ugly 55-3 to pounding. Then they had a miraculous comeback win against Tulane, which – I don't think many people saw coming, but tomorrow, who knows what's going to be? Because I, I think that Air Force game last week might have been a little bit of, you know, they lost some players to injury on defensive side. They didn't have their starting quarterback and Dalen Morris there last week. Uh, he did not travel out to Air Force due to having a medical condition that prevented him from playing at higher altitudes. So he is going to be obviously back this week against uh, Temple. So. Obviously, that was a better Navy-looking offense against the uh, Tulane in that game in which they did win. So, obviously, we'll, we'll have to see what the, what the outcome is tomorrow on the field. But I would say heading into the game, just because of the left, obviously not having injuries um, and having a little more practice time before the start of the season, I think Temple probably has a good advantage coming into this. Now, I did not realize their quarterback did not travel to Air Force because of uh, altitude-related issues. That's, uh, that is interesting and explains a lot. Yeah, so, you know, I, I would have to assume that that might have been part of the reason why that triple option maybe just didn't get going. Um, they, they did have, I think, I believe their only touchdown was like a 73-yard touchdown pass. So, obviously, not typical for Navy, uh, who runs the ball a large percentage of the time, but you know, that triple option has struggled this year, even against BYU and last week against air force against Tulane, it still has just not gotten going. And, you know, I, I believe there was a stat out there that it surrendered 935 rushing yards to opposing teams this year, while it's only put up 413 rushing yards. So that, that Navy offense is struggling. Their offensive line has not looked that good. Um, obviously, Things can change from week to week. All depends on the defensive front. But, you know, Temple returns a very good interior defensive line in Efine Maje and Dan Archibong, uh, probably two of the best defensive tackles in the American Conference. Probably both will end up playing in the NFL, be it after this year or maybe next year, depending on if they decide to take that extra year of eligibility that the NCAA granted for all players. So we'll have to see how that's going to play. Nate uh, Temple is a little susceptible. They do have uh, two new starting defensive ends this year. Um, one is a transfer from Wake Forest. Another has didn't really see a lot of reps last year. So we'll definitely just have to see how they end up playing as well as obviously the rest of the Temple defense. Ryan, you guys are picked fifth preseason in the AAC. You know, we saw Central Florida take a step back and lose the ball game. But when you look at this league and just knowing the talent Temple has, what do you think the ceiling is and how good can they be this year? You know, I, I think that if you look at the offense, 
they're one of the top teams offensively in the league this year. And temp- typically, obviously, you don't think of Temple as being an offensive team. Uh, historically, the past you know decade or so, they've been known for that Temple tough defense. But just the amount of talent they return on the offensive side of the ball this year uh, at the skill positions in quarterback Anthony Russo, uh, top two receivers in Jaden Blue and Brandon Mack, and then at running back Ray Davis, who had an outstanding freshman year last year. You know, he almost eclipsed that 1,000-yard mark as a true freshman. Yeah, I think that definitely Temple has the skill position down. The offensive line looks pretty solid on paper, but they just shuffled it up. Uh, we had we had a prediction of the offensive line going into this week, and when they released the depth chart the other day, it was completely different. So uh, definitely going to be intrigued to see how those guys start meshing because two of them are transfer players now coming in. Um, so it, it will be interesting to see there. Uh, the defensive side of the ball, as I mentioned, they already they do have a very good interior defensive line. Linebackers are pretty experienced for the most part. They're the Bubo backer, which is basically their extra safety or more of the covered backer. Um, that will be a redshirt freshman, and they are playing a new safety and some new corners in the rotation this year. So secondary probably is the most susceptible part of the Temple team right now. Did you say Boo backer? It is a Bubo backer. Bubo backer. Yes, Bubo. <laughs> How about Michael Bublé? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Ryan, as always, when we have you on, wanted to ask you about recruiting. I know that uh, give you a chance to plug your site now and then uh, the interview, but how are things looking on the recruiting trail this year with Coach Kerry? Well, you know, uh, the, the recruiting this year, I think, started off really well. Um, obviously, with COVID restrictions, players have not been able to visit campus. They have obviously taken virtual visits. Um, there are They are building a very solid class. I believe right now it does have the highest player ranking per player ranking on 247 in program history, which would eclipse, I believe, the 2016 class, which Matt Rule brought in. Um, so, obviously, when you're talking Matt Rule, who is – now down in your neck of the woods, down in Carolina, uh, looks like he's building a winner down there. Um, obviously, you're in good company if that's the case. So uh, just some of the guys that they've brought in, you know, uh, Jordan Lynch, his brother, actually, the uh, former Northern Illinois Heisman finalist. His brother is committed right now to Temple's class. Obviously, Rod Carey coaching at Northern had coached Jordan Lynch uh, while at Northern. So his younger brother from Mount Carmel High School in Chicago, Illinois. Is, uh, is looking like he will be the quarterback that they signed for this class. Um, so, obviously, Coach Carey, very excited to have him come in. Uh, possibly, you know, maybe he can replicate what his brother did at Northern. Um, obviously, that's the hope. Uh, they do have some really good regional talent out of the DMV that they're signing. Um, looks like they're going to get a pretty highly recruited running back who had some academic off-the-field stuff last year, but – you know, typically Temple doesn't go for those sort of guys unless they know that, you know, maybe there was something else there that that spurred that on. So I, I trust, you know, Temple's coaching staff and what they're evaluating with these players. And they obviously they have done a very good job over the last five, six, seven years uh, with signing their classes and, and bringing in NFL caliber talent because, you know, Temple has the highest number of players in the NFL for a G5 program right now. So obviously they've 
they've definitely brought in the right kind of guys. They've developed them and it doesn't matter if they're five stars or two stars, you know, they, they've, they've put them in the NFL. And that probably has a lot to do with why Matt Rule is coaching in the NFL right now. <laughs> uh, obviously, yes, definitely. You know, Matt Matt is a very good guy. I don't, I can't speak highly enough of him. You know, he was he was a very nice guy, always to the reporters, to to me. Um, so obviously, I want to see him do well down in Carolina. You know, even though I might 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 not be a Panthers fan, obviously, I want to see him do well. And you know, he signed a lot of Temple guys and. I think that just shows, you know, like that family mantra that he always praised up on North Broad as well as down at Baylor, uh, you know, that he, he, he gives back to his players and he, he's loyal to them. I do have a football question for you. Uh, uh, what's the best cheesesteak in Philly? Who, who would you go with? Jim's? Best cheesesteak in Philly, in my opinion, is Jim's Steaks on South Street. Yes. Uh, I would. It's better, way miles above better than Pat's and Geno's. No offense to them. I mean, I've had Pat's Geno's. Both are both are all right. Um, I have heard Delisandro's is good. I have not personally gotten to try it out yet. I do need to get out there, but I've heard that one and Jim's are pretty close. One and two. Yeah, Jim's is my favorite, but uh, I think that's the that one. I haven't had I haven't had a lot, but Jim's was by far my favorite. I, yeah, I agree. And just, you know, getting to see them cook it right there in front of you and just that old school vibe in that place. It, it's just a really nice place to go to. No doubt about it. And uh, certainly uh, with Temple, uh, it's going to be an interesting uh, season in American. Uh, who else do you like in the – put you on the spot. Who else do you like in the American this year uh, outside of Temple? Based on what I've seen so far, I definitely would put Cincinnati up there with that elite defense that they've shown. Um, you know, their offense is still a little suspect to me. You know, I, I just think Ritter has not improved enough to maybe win the league yet. Um, he was close last year, obviously, um, but he, he just had a sloppy game last week against South Florida, and South Florida is not a very good team, obviously. You guys are playing them this week, so – That'll be a, a quite the battle, but um, I, I like what SMU is really doing right now. They've they've looked very good since that opening game, which was a lot closer than what it should have been against Texas State. But uh, I think they've looked fairly fairly decent and dominant. After, obviously, they picked up a huge win over Memphis to put themselves in the driver's seat right now to lead the league. And I, I don't I wouldn't count out out. UCF yet you know Dylan Gabriel is a phenomenal quarterback he's still young they still have a lot of weapons on offense I think once they rebound from this loss to Tulsa last week Tulsa just seems to be that team that has their number for whatever reason is as good or as bad as Tulsa usually is yeah, that just seems to be that team that has their number so I would say that those three right now are my favorites uh, to be competing for that conference title Memphis is up there still too, but just because of losing Gainwall at the beginning of the season, you know, him opting out, I, I think that hurt their chances. And uh, obviously I think Temple's up there too, but I don't know if I would put them in that top tier yet. Well, when you refer to the East Carolina South Florida game as quite the battle, what do, <laughs> what, what did you mean by that? Quite the battle in terms of I'm in, I'm interested to see if, Houston can get his guys going against a inexperienced head coach and a team that has played a lot of quarterbacks already this year and has also played some sloppy games. 
obviously ECU's game to Georgia State last week was quite the shock in my opinion, for me at least. I, I didn't see that one coming because I, I was figuring, you know, coming into the year ECU was going to actually take a step up this year, yep. being Houston's second year as the head coach, uh, Ehlers being uh, an experienced starting quarterback coming in. And, you know, I, I thought he had potential, you know, to be a guy that could compete for league honors because he is a very talented player. He's given Temple fits. You know, they, they almost came back on Temple last year and it, it was it was a scary game for some Temple fans. I know that. And uh, but it, it definitely wasn't the Scotty Montgomery era. We'll put it that way with Houston last year. And but it, it just hasn't seemed like they've gotten clicking so far. Fifty four new players uh, or big graduate transfers, freshmen, JUCOs, whatever. Fifty four new players on the roster. I think just a bunch of guys got to get used to playing together. And yeah, I think, Holton, I think Holton's in his head a little bit. I think Holton just needs to play and quit pressing. Yeah, yeah, and that that'll that'll obviously, like you said, with fifty four new players, I didn't know the number, but you know that that's quite a large percentage of your team, obviously, uh, as being new guys. So just being around one another, the dynamic might not be there, and it's still a relatively new staff to them. Obviously, the staff had been together before, but. It's still a new staff to players, so it, it that would explain it. But you know, there are there are definitely some games to watch this weekend. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm I'm just happy to be back covering games. Absolutely. You guys, have got anything else? Very good. All right. Well, uh. Plug, they're going to put me on the spot. I'm never good with this kind of stuff, but uh, plug your stuff and get out of here. All right. So you can obviously follow uh, us on at AlsDaily247 or AlsDaily.com, which is the Temple 247 sports site. Uh, we have recruiting. We have previews up for tomorrow's game. A lot of VIP content up there. A lot of free content up there. If you want to check us out, obviously, we have recruiting the only Temple site that does daily coverage of the Owls every day of the year. Hey, I got a quick question for you before you go. Yeah. Uh, you mean, mean you cover recruiting so hard. I can't think of the kid's name. He was a tight end out of North Lenore High School. He signed two or three years ago. Uh, whatever became of him, do you have any idea who I'm talking about? Aaron Jarman. Okay. Yes, he, he is listed as the number two tight end right now on the depth chart. I, I suspect he will see some playing time this year. Uh, because uh, Temple starting tight end from last year, Kenny Yaboa, had transferred to Ole Miss this offseason as a graduate transfer. So it is now uh, David Martin Robinson and then Aaron Jarman as the two tight ends for Temple. Yeah, I, I am from LaGrange, North Carolina, where North Lenore is. How how East Carolina didn't offer that kid, uh, two words for you, Scotty Montgomery. <laughs> exactly. And, and, you know, he, he – he caught a touchdown last year. I forget if it was against Maryland or if it was against Temple's FCS opponent, uh, Bucknell, I believe. I think it was the Bucknell game, but he did have a touchdown catch last year. That was his only uh, catch. But it was actually during the time that it wasn't a blowout yet. So uh, he got some substantial playing time. So we'll, I think he'll see some increased role this year. All right, well, good deal, and we appreciate it. Awesome. Thank All you right, guys for having me on. Thanks, Ryan. All right, we'll see you next time, man. Yep, take care. All right. That's Ryan Wallen there with the Temple Owls, so 24-7 uh, site. Glad to have him on again, guys. And uh, I don't know what happened to 
Go ahead. There you are. You got a breath? Yeah. No, I'm good. Uh, I, I am walking now. And, um, I had there you are. Yet. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. You're walking? Yeah. I was asking you guys, uh, as far as tomorrow is concerned, uh, what, what games are you going to be watching? I'm going to watch the East Carolina South Florida games. I know that, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Other than that game, what are you going to be watching? Uh, I'll be watching Tennessee and Georgia for sure. Clemson, Miami. Um, uh, man, um, I'd have to look at the schedule. Those are what comes to mind off the top of my head. Um, is there a big one in conference? Oh, Temple Navy. We were just talking about yeah, Temple, Temple Navy. Navy. Yeah, yeah that, that's the big one in the league that I'll be checking out. Um Texas Oklahoma is a big one to see who. Oh yeah, the Red River Shootout. Yeah, Texas Oklahoma, absolutely. A lot of pressure on Herman. I mean, Lincoln Riley doesn't want to lose three in a row, but Herman's got heat on him. Yeah, yeah. no doubt. Yeah, he's probably the. What do you guys say? Is he the uh, as far as the hot seat? Would he be the number one on the number one list? You know, I think um, potentially. I think Jimbo don't start winning. I think uh, he'll be on it too. I think you're going to have both those guys, the two biggest schools in Texas, on the hot seat. Um, but, yeah, Herman seat has got to start. It, it, it's got to be getting hot. And, you know, if you're Texas, they, you know, if they fire him, that's another hit coach, John. I mean, Texas has, has got to get the higher right this time um, if, if Herman is let go at the end of this year. And it's a lot of time between now and the end of the year. But uh, they can't afford to blow another hire. You're right about that. I mean, they what is their uh... – their budget, like two hundred thirty-five million. It's a lot, yeah. At one time, I guess it still is the biggest in football. But even, but even still, it proves that just because you have the most money doesn't mean you're going to win the championship. It helps. It helps. Oh, it definitely helps. I mean, if they made the right hire, uh, they'd win the championship. And it, the thing is, when they get the right coach in there, they'll be able to keep him, and they'll be able to give him whatever he wants, and they'll be able to keep it rolling. Once they do get the right, that's what you, you still got to make the right hire. But once you, having that money, if you make that right hire, i.e., Alabama, means you can keep him. Yeah, you're and, talking uh, about Jimbo. How much, uh, guys, do you remember? It was a ridiculous amount of money for his contract. What was it, seven or eight million dollars a year for like a boatload, like maybe 10 years? A lot. It was, it was way too Jimbo much. Fisher? Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was 10 years, 70 million, I think. Yeah, that's a lot of money. Um, by the way, signing anybody to a 10-year contract is stupid. Uh, you, you're asking yourself, you're doing nothing but asking for trouble. Um, why anybody would sign a, a head coach to a 10-year contract is beyond stupid. Uh, uh, Texas A&M is going to be regretting that. No question about it. Bubba, you joining us? Are you back? I am. Uh, we're actually we've got some other interviews that we're we're going to release, um, I guess individually and um, on SoundCloud and Anchor, right? And uh, we'll do that. And then obviously uh, we got a big game tomorrow. We I guess you can promote our content now. <laughs> yeah, um, 
we caught up with John Laser. Jay and I did on the play-by-play voice of the Virginia Tech Hokies, the 19th-ranked Hokies headed to Chapel Hill and Keenan Stadium to take on number eight, North Carolina. Should be a heck of a game. And then also um, earlier this afternoon, we caught up with Palmer Toms. He is with Dogs 24-7, a top 15 matchup between the Hedges tomorrow um, with uh, Tennessee taking on number three, Georgia. It's going to be a great, great day of college football tomorrow night. It's going to be fantastic, guys. And uh, before before we go, uh, Jay, what do you think about the Pirates? We're going to win tomorrow? Oh, boy. It's going to be a tough ball game. Um, there's going to have to be massive amount of improvements, and I think they're going to come out firing. I think they're going to respond after watching the film from last week because that, that was a tough game to watch last week. Um. I'm gonna go with the Pirates because I think they're gonna they're gonna come come swinging and really fight back. But um, I'll tell you if they if they don't win, that's it's good. It's really gonna you know be be trouble to win to win coming up here because there's a lot of issues and a lot of young players um, that are that you know we just haven't responded yet. So I'll say we're gonna win. What do you guys think? Uh, it could go either way. Um, uh, my official prediction is East Carolina 23, South Florida 17. Um, I, 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 I think we're going to get a special team score, kick some field goals and get one offensive touchdown and, and find a way to win it. Um, the trouble will be, it, you know, Coach Scott's a good offensive coach. And so is so uh, Charlie Watts Jr. Um, if you know, if South Florida is more of a victim of playing against good defenses, um, Notre Dame's a good defense, Cincinnati's a good defense. If if their offensive minds are able to get their offense going tomorrow against our defense, their their defense is good enough to keep our offense in check, and then we're going to have a problem. If they are legitimately bad on offense. Then I think we can win the football game. Yeah. Yeah, we've got to, and guys, looking at the schedule, um, we have Navy, you have Tulsa uh, coming up. I mean, uh, Navy is not Navy that we've seen, but still it's Navy. And you have Tulsa coming up. You have obviously uh, Cincinnati's in there, um, ending the year with SMU. November is like a brutal schedule. It's like Murder's Row for our conference in November. So, We've got to, Tulane in there. Tulane is Tulane is good, yeah. Well, Tulane's got some questions. Uh, that that score against against Houston last night, it wasn't even as close as it looked. Had, had, had Houston had Houston not came out playing like a team that hadn't played a football game since you know last year, <laughs> and uh, started slow and turned the ball over. You know the the only way Tulane really scored was off turnovers. So uh, that game really could have been like sixty-two to fourteen. So. Um, you know, Tulane did have a good performance against Southern Miss. Southern Miss is very good on defense. Uh, so I'm, I'm not sold on Tulane. Um, you know, if you're looking for wins out there, and they do come to Greenville. Um, but you know what? Let's see if we can't get one tomorrow night in, uh, in Tampa. Definitely. Hey, something I wanted to bring up. Um, I mentioned this with Dave and Kyle earlier in the week. Um, I know earlier today you and I were talking about the Georgia State game and um, did you notice against Georgia State 
um, how how um, Georgia State ran several snaps of option, and and I don't think we've stopped it yet. <laughs> Jay, did you did you did you pick up on uh, the option Georgia State was running? Oh yeah, I saw it. <laughs> we had a lot of problems last week. Like guys, the way I view it is like we you know we have a lot of issues and a lot of young players and the defense is having a lot of trouble in the offensive line. And it's all going to be based off of improvement. Like, if we improve a lot, then we, we can win games. But if we don't, it's going to be very, very hard to win anything. And you would think that the team's going to improve is just what's the pace going to be and how much do we improve and how quick can we improve, especially with that tough schedule you know, that Dave was talking about in November. Yeah, no, and uh, you know we got to get to South Florida first. But the thought of not being able to stop the option—they're um, going to gas us. Mike Cotero saying he uh, is really good. We're stopping the option. Not a fun thought. Yeah, I mean they're—they're they're just going to run like if you're if you're an offensive coordinator from another school, you're going to run the option. You're going to run run what we can't stop until we prove that we can and until we prove we can do it consistently. So, you know, I I, I just think you're right, though, Kyle, on your prediction. Like, we're going to have to get scrappy, you know, special teams touchdown, interception, you know, get turnovers, you know, control the ball, protect the ball. We're going to have to win it that way um, because we can't get in shootouts. We're not good enough to get in shootouts. And we've got we to slow down the ball game to stay in it. Jay, remember that game we had down there two years ago where we lost 20 to 13 in Coach Moe's final season? Um, yeah. I could see it being uh, pretty reminiscent of that. Uh, and we shall see, but I, that 55 and a half over under uh, looks very appealing if you are a betting man. Yeah. The, the thing about South Florida, I mean, you know, I know, I know they were picked 12th and we were 11th, but the new coaching staff coming in. You know, they've always had, whether they were good, whether they were ranked high or whether they weren't, they've always had athletes. Like, they've always had guys. So I expect them to be, you know, them to have talent. You know, so we're going to be going against a talented team that's just it's going to come down to execution and discipline. No doubt, uh, as um, the lingo, today's verbiage, uh, you know, you hear uh, the term dudes a lot. You know, you, you know South Florida is going to have some dudes and some speed. But um, ho- hopefully our guys will bring their A game and play much better than they did last week in Atlanta and will come out victorious because we surely need a win. And uh, it would be very sweet for, for that victory to come over USF because we're one in nine all time. No doubt, guys. It's going to be a great one. By the way, fans, if you didn't know, ESPN Plus, so go ahead and subscribe to that tonight. Uh, 7 o'clock tomorrow night, guys. It's going to be interesting. And, of course, we'll have after the game, uh, we'll have our Pirate Playback. I think it's going to be on Sunday. We'll let you know. And then uh, Bubba, one of mine folks at Sutton Young, is going to be with us t- tomorrow to give us some uh, reports there. He'll be there in Tampa. Yes, Sutton's credentialed for tomorrow's game on 7 o'clock 
and kickoff. And um, so he'll, he'll be there at Raymond James Stadium. And we'll check in with him probably at least pregame and postgame, maybe halftime, but, but at least pregame and postgame. Um, we appreciate him providing coverage. He's also going to provide some pictures and uh, video as well. So thanks to Sutton for that. All right, should be a good one, and uh, hopefully we can uh, talk about a victory. I'm tired of losing, guys. Three straight, if you count uh, Tulsa last year. So it'll be great to break that streak and get a win against South Florida, and we'll try very, very hard. Thanks to all our guests. Thank you, Jay. Appreciate you, buddy, for coming on tonight, as always. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you, uh, Kyle, vacationing in, in Boone. Bubba, thank you so much, as always, for putting the show together. We'll see you guys again next time. It's been the inside slant right here on the Sports Objective. Good night, everybody, and go Pirates.